Hello and welcome to Max Volume Meetups. I'm your host, Jessica Jacks, delivering you another episode. Our special guest is Tegan Stewart, an indie country music artist from Nashville, Tennessee. We'll discuss the ethnic gap in country music, the stereotypical paradox of the genre, and her own journey through music as a Latina. This episode was recorded before her latest release, Taste My Heartbreak, now available on all major listening platforms. Take a load off and enjoy the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Uh, My name is Tegan Stewart. I'm a country singer-songwriter. I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I live in Nashville now, trying to make it as a recording and touring country artist. Badass. And how old were you when you began this journey? Yeah, so I started singing from as young as I can remember. I was actually in piano class when I was like six or five or something. And throughout elementary school, I hated piano class, which now I wish I would have taken it more seriously and learned piano. But instead, I really wanted singing lessons. And so my piano teacher, I guess, began giving me singing lessons because I begged my parents for them and she kind of said okay we'll try (laughs) and then i had my first performance in the third grade talent show i've always loved performing that's something i've never gotten too many nerves about like a little bit but not really Uh, anytime anyone will let me sing i will do that and then i started playing guitar and writing songs much later like 12 14. awesome so then you started kind of incorporating writing into it Um, at a much older age then. Were you always driven to country at a young age or were there like genres that you fell in love with earlier? I think the biggest thread before I fell in love with country was just like women (laughs) in music, which we'll talk a lot about, I'm sure today. But but really I think about it and the songs I was singing in like elementary school was Kelly Clarkson's first CD, the Mulan soundtrack, High School Musical. So country music did come in the picture pretty early for me because my parents listen to country radio all the time. And my mom loves country music more than my dad and my brother. And we always had country radio on and yeah, I really loved it. Like we always went to country concerts. There's an amphitheater in Albuquerque that every single major country artist would roll through and you know, they would have three openers. So if you went to like every concert in the summer and they all bring three openers, you'd see everybody that you just heard on the radio. Oh my gosh. Um, so by the time I was 12, country music was definitely my jam. And I had a I had a CD player in my room, which was also a radio. So I would be buying country CDs, listening to them all the time, and then listening to like all of the radio. So I, I like academically knew country music in like a weird way where like I knew all the writers and I knew, you know, what year all these different songs came out and everything like that. I think that's pretty cool. It's like, you know, what you hear on the radio would end up also being on the stage. And then you actually being able to like play witness to that um, at a young age is really, really awesome too. Um, and it's funny that you you mentioned Mulan because I was, I was like trying to think, I was like, who's saying that? Like in the first Mulan. And then I looked it up and I was like, Oh, well, Christina, Christina yeah, Christina Aguilera, right? And I was thinking, was it yeah. Christina? I was like, was it Christina before and after? And then I just started looking and I was like, okay, wow. So yeah, 
I love Reflection. Like that is the like that is an amazing song so in Mulan. Good. It's so underrated, right? Like I mean, everyone loves. Uh, gosh, what is it? Um, <laughs> uh, let's get down to business. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone knows that one, but everybody kind of passes on Reflection. Cheetah Girls. Cheetah Girls. Uh, I'm so into the Cheetah Girls. Oh my god. So as far as like your experience through the music industry and the music scene and country music, why did you choose country music? You know, because obviously you're multifaceted, like you you seem to have like picked up on so many early genres before. So like what really drew you to doing country music? I think the best answer I can give that in a short time is that um, I have this journal entry in a notebook from sixth grade and I don't remember what the prompt was and I don't remember why I was writing about it but I wrote a whole page on why country music is the best genre and it's my favorite mm -hmm. um, and what I said in the entry is that country music is storytelling above everything and it's like it's wordy and it's detailed and it's complicated right. and you know, like a lot of country choruses are long and they, they have a, you know, so many details packed into them or, you know, the chorus, like, uh, <clears throat> There Goes My Life, like Kenny Chesney, um, like the chorus changes and you move throughout an entire lifetime throughout a song. Country music loves to do an entire lifetime in a song. And I just thought that was so unique. And I thought that was so real. And I, I love pop music and I, I like R&B and you know, some other genres, but country, I, I've never seen that before or really since that you can kind of transcend time yeah. <laughs> in like kind of an epic way. And it's, you know, it's not, it's just not simple. And I, I love lyrics. Like I love things that are full of character or wordy and you know, a lot of country can be really satirical and just like larger than life, like Toby Keith was a lot like that. And just so many things and so many topics that I also thought were unique to country yeah. um, when I was growing up. Like a, there'd be a whole song about encountering a homeless man on a bridge as, you know, the man who encounters him was like thinking of committing suicide and they like meet on this bridge. And it, it's like a movie. There's so many country songs about enjoying the little things that you have. That's like a, a subgenre of country music is like, just enjoying the things I got, blah, 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 the nice day. <laughs> and, and I just, I love that because I've never found those topics and those, that storytelling in any other genre ever. Right. Right. And that's so cool that you said that because like, I never really thought about it until now where it's like, yeah, you know, a lot of music is very situational and like with country you know, thinking about some of the country tracks that I know of, it's like, yeah, they talk about very long-term sort of commitments, <laughs> you know, like uh, whether, yeah. you know, love life that's been like kind of going between like something that was amazing and then something that just gets trashed. And like, you know, when you're talking about love songs and then you're talking about, um, situational music where it's like it really just pertains to a moment or like a place or like a theme or you know a problem and it's like for example it's like hey man what'd you do at the club it's like well i fell in love with the stripper so it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with country music it's just like 
Well, uh, you're- if that, that song in country would be like, I fell in love with the stripper and then we had kids and then <laughs> we got divorced and then my kid became a stripper, but I'm proud. And then like, it would be the same thing, but just like over like two decades and like a lot of feelings. You know, as far as just being a Latina in the country music industry, um, how has that been for you? Like, has it been like kind of a learning curve or like a transition or like how does country music or the industry um, or the genre approach you as a Latina? Yeah, that's been interesting. I, I, can't, I almost feel like I haven't even gotten to the point of success yet to know how that's, how that's affecting me because I do, I am Latina, but I have kind of a shield, like a white shield because my last name is Stewart from my dad and my mom's name is Martinez. So I'm not Tegan Martinez. So I do get people who kind of just say like, oh, well, you look different or like you seem exotic and like, or, or sort of microaggressions of like, you don't look Mexican, haha. Right. Um, and that's kind of the extent of what I get because I have that like passing shield, which is complicated because then I don't want to not embrace that part of me. I do speak Spanish and I love reggaeton music. And I, I, I did do like a Latin pop sounding song with a friend, but it wasn't in Spanish. But like, I would love to do songs in Spanish. I definitely did that, some of that growing up. Um, and so I definitely want to incorporate that into my life and into music, but I, I'm definitely in that weird world where sometimes I'm not Latina enough, or sometimes it's just that I have bushy eyebrows and dark hair and I'm a green blonde. And, you know, so that, that's kind of, it's really subtle so far. That might change maybe when, when things pick up for me, I'm not sure, but it's, something to navigate because I definitely want that to be part of my identity and part of the conversation, but it's easy for it to kind of get swept under the rug, I think. There are, um, I want to say like rural country styles in almost like every other culture because like in, okay, mm -hmm. let's say in South America, there's more like country yeah. uh, settings. Country is big. Yeah, really? And so it's like, it is, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, not too far from it. Some country music is what other people would call like depressing, but I think it just depends on the setting and the story that they're trying to tell because not all of it is. And some of it is about being a country party boy. And that's another thing, too. It's like the difference between what men sing about, and what women sing about in country is oh, so, dra so drastic. Uh, I just think it's like interesting measuring how Hispanic you are based off of yeah. a handful of things that you do or don't do. And then with country uh -huh. music, it's like, well, you do these things. So I guess you're not all that Hispanic. And it's like, <laughs> well, then what's yeah. where's, the, where the, where's the happy place? You know, where, that's, and it, that's another interesting thing is that like I grew up listening to so much country of you know, like Miranda Lambert's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend album and Gunpowder and Lead and all this stuff. And that was not my experience at all, but somehow I really felt it. <laughs> so like, and I think part of that, I think that goes directly into what makes people hesitate at country music if they didn't grow up with it, because they know it as such a white 
genre and such a like a white form of storytelling and this specific rural experience that they don't have. And I think the only reason I don't feel out of place from that is because I listened to it so much before I recognized any of those things. So I already felt it was my own, you know, comfort and my own story, even though it's all those songs were clearly, you know, not even relating to anything about my background, actually, except for the fact that New Mexico has very open skies and it's not really a city anywhere in New Mexico, even in Albuquerque. I can definitely relate to that and it's a great genre to drive to, but I, I understand people kind of thinking like, well, you know, how, how would I have a place in this? And I think, you know, there's so much of country that is more welcoming and d doesn't have to be this portrait of a redneck man all the time. Right. But definitely in radio has, has trended so much towards, you know, that the whole pro country thing. You know, it didn't, when I was growing up on country radio, that still existed for sure. Yeah. And country radio was still geared towards white people in the country for sure. But it had a lot of other types of artists and other types of songs that didn't make it feel like that so much when I was growing up. Um, and so I definitely want to be recording and making music that is true to the sound that I like and can touch on those things, but like isn't, is also true to my identity as a person. Absolutely. And I think that would just be so amazing. And like, you know, as you were talking about it, I was like, how badass would it be to have like, you know, a track of yours discussing your background and uh, its transcendence with all of the, you know, what country has brought into it, you know, and yeah. Um, and incorporating Spanish and incorporating Spanish into it as well and I think it would just be it would be a mixture It'd of cult so cool <laughs> yeah it would be a mixture of like culture shock but also like hey you know this is inclusive it's starting a conversation where it's like it really shouldn't be all about like white boys in the farm or you know like all riding down the truck yeah going to grab a case of beer you know like and so what women sing about what men sing about they're like polar opposite but then they have like these subtleties mm -hmm. that kind of intertwine and that intertwining is like a relationship or it's uh someone that they fell in love with what are women mostly expected or perceived to sing about when it comes to country music it, there's an interesting tension in country radio right now that I think I'm also aware of because people in my circles are aware of it. And it's that we know that men in country radio get played so much more often to the point where there's been studies done on it and women have only had 10% of airtime on the radio in country. 10% of the plays are by women. Wow. And I think a third of the 10% or something like that was like at night when they know they have less listeners. And there's all these rules and this has come out in public. You can look this up. There's been DJs that have come out and said or been recorded to say that they their rules are that they never play women back to back and they can never have two female ballads at the same time and when one woman comes in, it's basically kicking another woman out of her slot. And I think Jason Aldean for one of the years had like four million plays and Carrie Underwood, the most played woman on country radio got two million. So it's like he's getting double of what she's getting as far right. as sins. And so it's, 
it's crazy and it's actually the trend is getting worse like there's I'm, I'm so glad people have done studies for this and have looked into it but in 2000 women were played 33% of the time in airplay on country and 2019 it was around 16% and even then you know the songs played by women are breakup songs and are ballads and they're really great songs and I think that they should be played but all the songs by men are still drinking songs partying songs one person in my circle brought up to me like well, women might just get played more if they just wrote more party songs and wrote more drinking songs. Wow, really? <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's not that simple. Like, obviously, women probably have written those songs and they're not getting played. So, you know, it, it is an interesting thing to think about that, you know, obviously the cause of women not getting played is the fact that they're just not getting played, not because they're not putting out as many party songs, but also maybe thinking about, like, do you have those radio songs ready to play the game? But yeah, I, I think it's so insane that, that this is happening and it's been happening yeah. for 20 years now and it's just, it's like an open secret and that's certainly not really the case in pop and other genres. I don't know how we're continuing to let people get away with this, but right. I told you in a conversation earlier, I, I think one of the big solutions is having the men in country kind of have our back because yeah. um, you know, like they're good people, but the way to help get us to equality is not by writing all these songs called woman and female. Like Keith Urban has a song called female. <laughs> Chris right. Jansen wrote a song called like take a drunk girl home and let her wow. sleep alone and don't rape her. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> we, we don't really need any of those songs, guys. Like, thank you so much. You can stop writing them now. Instead, you can just have women on your touring lineup obviously people aren't touring right now but in general and when we get more to normal like that's the way you help you pressure radio stations to play more women right. because you have the power and you have the voice and you put women on your tour don't right. ever write me another goddamn song called <laughs> woman called female <laughs> don't do it do not do it yeah that's like <laughs> call the drunk girl an uber um it's so weird See, that's like, his song and it's like <laughs> congratulations for doing the bare minimum i'm so glad you did that oh my god and that's such an interesting suggestion like well women would probably be played more if they talk about more interesting stuff instead of falling in love and breaking up and like you know losing the love right. of your life and like being a widow and like all these other crazy like crazy things were being cheated on and it's like well goddamn like well, when men are singing about partying, it's like the same thing all the time, you know? So it's just as repetitive, I think, and it's just as like, you know, yeah. predictable. So Definitely. I don't I don't see the correlation. I don't see the um you know, this the solution there. But I do think that you're right. I do think that men should be pressuring radio stations a lot more to like not be so predictable and not be so like driven to just sell out on just the men and yeah like say you know we want to hear x number x percentage of, of women on on the radio yeah like exactly. that's what we want to hear exactly because not just men listen to country music and i mean it goes by it goes both ways i guess maybe you know how like boy bands were like a huge deal and all the women wanted to hear from just the boy bands you know because it's like mm -hmm. a it's like a idol crush or whatever i don't right. know if that really pertains to the same thing like what do country music fans want to listen to 
Like, yeah, and I, I think it's such a, I, just, I don't know, it's hard to imagine why they're still, why all these radio stations are still thinking and acting this way. And, and part of me, you know, besides just like literal misogyny, they think whatever their formula is, is working and they, they think it's risky to change it. But at the same time, the industry knows that women are successful. And like the best example is Casey Musgrave's Golden Hour album from 2018 is never played on the radio. I don't think I've heard it a single time on the radio. And it is a little bit out of the genre bounds. You know, it's not, none of the songs are upbeat and more traditional contemporary country sounding, sure. But also neither is like a trap hip hop beat. Um, and her album won album of the year at the Grammys. Wow. Like not in country music, like in like period. And, it, and you know, she had a crazy successful tour and people love that album. And, you know, I think the industry can see that, that's clear, but they still don't have an interest in playing her music. And so it's like some, something like that, like I, I, can't, I can't explain or imagine why that, why that makes any sense at all to people spinning the radio because people know and love those songs. But that's just a good example of of that so there, there are a lot of women who have come up in country right now who are have been on really good tours like um kathy ashton was on Marin morris's tour that i saw last year Haley witters uh, just so many people that have been killing the game mickey guyton is the the only one of the only black women in country i know and she put out her first single in 2015. I saw her at the Grand Ole Opry. She killed it. Mm-hmm. And she's really, she's been signed and making music and she, for five years. And only now is she starting to get more national attention. That's um, incredible. So yeah, it's definitely, like choosing to be like in country music as a woman is like, yeah, just even so many steps back in in the mountain you have to climb than other industries. But but we gotta, we gotta just try to Persist. make those changes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know the the unfair upper hand that radio has is that they easily influence the consumer because they're easily accessible. People don't have to oh, pay. Totally. People yeah. don't have to pay for it. People just have to press a button in their car or on a stereo or, or whatever, and there it is. You know, there isn't no like middle ground. And when you're talking about like fans of country music, I'm sure a lot of them are young people, but a lot of them are also older people who don't want to deal with like downloading apps on their streaming phone <laughs> and streaming yeah. services and paying it's for true. I mean, that's how I had a music education was from radio so i absorbed everything from radio and that was i bought cds but that was still my primary source of like you know what's happening what's coming out who who's going where who's who's getting bigger and so it's totally it's a huge gate that people have to go through for Mm -hmm. for for big success right and nothing can really replace it we're getting closer but but not not yet yeah not close enough I think radio is changing too, you know? I mean, when Sirius XM radio came out, it's like anybody could be a radio host just as long as you have like 
the right genre that you're representing and like my secret goal is like i totally want to be on sirius xm but have like oh, a, awesome. but have a synthwave station because synthwave is such a growing genre that not many people know about and you probably don't even know about it but it's like a it's a branch of electronic music that is very 80s nostalgic and like retro futuristic so it's mm. like it, I hear it more and more in TV and movie shows and people are using it as like background in terms of music production within that element of entertainment and in video games as well. So it's like some of it is primarily lyricless, but a lot of it does have lyrics and a lot of it is very much just pertaining to like 80s and 90s sort of influences. It would be amazing, but the genre just isn't there yet. You know, it's not big enough, um, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, but I do think that it's changing um, just in very little ways. The accessible local radio stations really changing. They're trying to they're just basically sticking to what works. And what works right. is being predictable, I guess. And and just <laughs> having the same handful of songs on repeat day in and day out. And I can't stand it, you know, personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people our age that I know just yeah, don't don't do radio for that reason. And I, I understand I, I mostly use Spotify at this point. Right. I definitely have radio on here and there, also just to kind of feel like I'm I'm in the know, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to keep radio as your only source of music, for sure. That's not sustainable at this at this rate. Yeah. But, yeah, but SiriusXM, at least for country also, they, they're they definitely playing such a wider range of, of music than, than like FM radio is. Yes, that is true. You have such a wide variety of where you can go um, and what you can listen to. So I definitely, I understand the appeal um of that but local radio is just like uh, it's kind of depressing you know yeah it's kind of using the music as the ads for the ads oh my god um, i know right you play two songs then you play ads for 10 20 minutes and then you play two songs and then another 10 exactly. 20 minutes of ads uh, and it's the same ads every time too you know yeah, that definitely shouldn't be a part of the quintessential radio experience. That should not be how it is. The only good thing I can say from the fact that radio is so repetitive, that there's something comforting, not about hearing the same songs, but about knowing that everybody, everybody knows some of the same songs. I think it's like, especially now with streaming and and you know there's less huge stars like there were like 30 years ago just because there's so many more people on the playing field like the media can go in so many different directions like we're not laser focused on five bands or people anymore like we just can't be no one ever no one except taylor swift i guess is like to me gonna or bts gonna achieve that level of stardom which also kind of means we're not all gonna have the same baseline of like songs at a wedding and like songs at a party like a lot of the songs at weddings like we will but you know a lot of those songs are from you know 10 years ago 30 years ago the, the one thing I do like about repetitive radio is that I like knowing that that there will be some songs we definitely will all know at a party sometimes 
Right, for sure. And then um, I think the other thing about it is that the same hits that get played one area don't get played in another area. So it's like, at least it's not the same across the board. You know, I feel like some local radio stations are good. You know, some of them are more flexible and some of them don't. Some are better than others. Yeah, for sure. You just got to pick the one that you really like and then hit that preset and then you're good. (laughs) You know? Yeah. You know, after all the all of our discussions um, in terms of, you know, women inclusivity within the music industry and, um, you know, what is it really missing, like as a whole, not just in country music, but uh, what is the music industry really missing um, when it comes to including women? That's a great question. I guess I want to answer it partly on the country music angle because yeah, please. country music specifically needs brunette women just like non-blonde women (laughs) um, in general there's it's like 90 percent blonde women and that's you know good for you but like there's not that many blonde people like what i don't know so brunette women a um queer people b yes um extra points for queer people who are extra points (laughs) extra points um And yeah, just allowing country, allowing maybe people like me in the sense of, I don't have a super country background. I didn't grow up in Georgia mucking (laughs) the stalls and making apple pie, but I still love country music and I still can make country music. And I think, I I almost think that people, like all, all the boys in country music right now either have that background or their website makes them sound like they have that background when they don't. And just kind of being accepting of like, it's okay to be a country musician and be a country singer and whatever, and not having that specific country background. Like, that's okay. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I kind of wonder that too. Like, if the, you know, labels that are big in country music are also keeping to that stereotype too like is that part of it is it part of the production value where it's like hey well you gotta include a a truck in at least one of the 12 tracks on your new album okay and definitely (laughs) definitely include at least three references to bud light because they're our sponsor like (laughs) you know yeah I feel like there definitely has to be that sort of subliminal messaging um, and then stereotyping it because it's like not every, you're right, not everybody who gets into any genre has that specific background, was even born within that background when it started and don't have a Ford pickup (laughs) or don't have, don't even like Bud Light, you know? it's It's like Blake Shelton at this point, he's one of the biggest people in country. Like, that dude is rich as fuck. Like, he's not doing any of those things that he thinks about. No. Some people still do. Like, Miranda Lambert loves horses. They, they are kind of rivals now that they've been to whatever that I brought them both up together. But, but you know, it's like, it, it's like we don't need to... If somebody is living a very country lifestyle, that's great and they should sing about it. But, like, I don't want to hear it if I don't believe you. Yeah. And you don't have to do that, you know? Like, I... That, so I'm um, putting out my first EP on October 23rd, so it'll probably be out by when people hear this. Awesome. Um, and it's it's six songs, and there it's a super country album, and I I love that about it. I love taking the sound. Um, one is like a very traditional honky tonk, upbeat, 
two-stepping type song. Another one has a lot of steel guitar and like a traditional shuffle beat. Mm -hmm. uh, another one is like really bluesy. Another one's country rock. So it's like a variety, but it it has the sounds of you know super rednecky country, but right. those weren't the things that were true to me to have written about. The other thing I was thinking when we were talking about Blake Shelton, I was like, wow, the only thing I know about Blake Shelton is that he like runs over turtles on the highway. Right. When? Oh my God, I don't, I swear I may, maybe. Like years ago or like it now? It was probably years ago. Um, yeah, and so I was like, it would just be crazy country bingo if he was like, yeah, I ran it over with my like half broken, half broken down a Ford pickup truck. And I was like, oh, okay, well then. <laughs> Yeah, and like, I, not, don't get me wrong, like some some of the older, like, just super redneck country songs I love, mm -hmm. but there's just, there's just so much else out there and I just hate that, you know, a lot of the only exposure people have gotten to country is just that and not all of the other things that, that it is. It's like, I, I sometimes can be a little bit of a purist in, in the sound of country. Yeah. So I've I've had to tell myself like, you know, fusion is good and like new things are good. And I, I think that feeling for me pushing back on it was when Florida Georgia Line first came on the scene, I was like, no, absolutely not. This is not country. I don't like this. I still don't love it, but also, you know, the whole trend of kind of like beats in country is kind of cool. There's still such a part of me that rebels against that. It's like, no. <laughs> Another reason why I love country is that the, the musicians are playing their instruments and like talking through their instruments and, you know, not confined to, you know, distilled beats and things like they're they're playing like somebody's talking or singing. Yeah. And I, I kind of think that the trap beat thing gets away from that, but also it's still cool and it, it's still good to genre bend and keep an open mind. So I kind of have to tell myself to do that <laughs> but I want to say my favorite country music singer is Johnny Cash you know yeah. like th that's old that's old school well oh, oh, and, here's another great rant oh god I I should make a compilation of this I'm excited the amount of songs in the past like five years alone maybe less and a cash thing and a wailing and a gin and like none of those people <laughs> sound like them like they right. reference them, they tick them, their names all off on the list. And it's like, you don't sound like them at all. You're not paying any homage to them. Exactly. You're, none of your stuff is influenced by them. And Absolutely. you're not doing anything as artistically, like keep your name, keep their name out your mouth. Exactly. That, that drives me nuts because it's like, you're almost just saying that to substitute for how country you don't sound right now. <laughs> and if you just say all their names, then you'll get like the country badge. I, that, that doesn't count to me. It's so ridiculous. And it's like, you probably don't even have a full out, outfit in black. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you probably I don't guess, look like you're going to a funeral <laughs> every day. Let's just calm down. Let's just pull the brakes. Yeah, um, please. Yeah, no, I love it. To inject some positivity uh, in this debate, because I, I still, I do love country music, even though it sounds like I don't right now, I do. Um, <laughs> Some people I think that are killing the game have always killed the game. Uh, Eric Church is one of my favorite artists. Uh, and his stuff on the radio uh, in like, I mean, still now, but like in 2009, 2010, it's like funky. It's like weird. It's kind of rock and roll. It's way out of the box. 
-hmm. and I've always felt authenticity from Eric Church and he was a big influence um, in this upcoming EP so yeah I've always always loved him and Maren Morris I think what she's doing right now um, with her latest album there, there was a little bit of like synthy R&B things but it was still really catchy and really country sounding I love Morgan Wallen He's another one that is doing the things that I love in country, which is, you know, these big long choruses that take you on this journey and these lyrical twists and stuff while still talking about authentic things and sounding like they put a lot of art into it. So I just wanted to give some artists shout outs um, because I actually do like country music. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you, <laughs> because you, well, you wouldn't you wouldn't identify yourself as a country music artist if you didn't like country. But I think that it's cool that you not only grasp you know what country music is about for you, but you also are so open minded about where it can go. And I think that that's really important. You know, even as like an independent artist, that you are trying to find a way where you can contribute to country in a more positive way in a, in a way that includes everything that you're about and every and includes all the things that you wish country music could be more about and that's huge you know Thanks. you're welcome that's just my perspective in general like just from our conversations and like you know we haven't had many but that's just that's just what i get from you so i think it's I think it's good that you're using this as a platform to vent and to rant about the things that need to change or should change because fuck it, you know, we're in this, we're in this environment now where being vocal about the things that you believe in and the things that you wish could change is, is normal. It's not just normal, but it's encouraged. So yeah, I'm I, not going to get Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. So, so I so no I appreciate it and I don't mind at all and who cares about what Blake Shelton thinks um <laughs> until I until I meet him one day and then I'll be like that's my bad dude I, <laughs> I doubt I doubt that they will find this podcast and really care but maybe if you hit it big that's you'll be cool. like <laughs> but if you hit it big don't forget anyways that, that's yeah they'll look here for the dirt yes yes they'll look here for the dirt and then they'll publish it and they'll be like, well, she didn't really say anything wrong. She just said everything that was wrong with country. Exactly. <laughs> as far as, you know, where the country music scene is changing, I know we were talking about like the discomfort in like something new and something fresh in country where sometimes it's like, oh, I don't really like it. And there's some resistance there. Where do you see the scene changing from just what country music is and has been and always will be to being like mixed with other genres that tend to stray further away from what most fans are comfortable with. Yeah, I think one trend I'm probably most into personally is kind of a fusion with R&B elements and like R&B vocal elements. Um, and that excites me more than the fusion kind of with hip hop. Um, and I, I, going back to Maren Morris again, her, her latest album, Girl, I think has a lot of that what I'm talking about. So the ways it goes about melodically and you know some of the little riffs here and there, some of the beats are a little more towards R&B. Not so much that I think people could even label it that way, but to me that with some pedal steel and things like that's really cool to me. And I, I would love to see more of that. I mean, country is, 
country is kind of like cranberry juice that you can pair it like there's cran raspberry cran grape cran apple cran, like there's just so many different varieties but it's still like, for sure cranberry juice and like as i'm saying it i'm like country yeah there's country rock there's bluesy country there's folk country and it's all sounds country like i can all distinguish that from other genres yeah. and other there's still markers <laughs> that make it country and not just folk or not just rock yeah um but yeah country is the cranberry juice of music, of music. um and i i just right. thought of that right now i'm very proud of that analogy oh my god um, i'm dead no i'm literally dead i'm thinking about like bubba gump and forrest gump just being like <laughs> cran raspberry <laughs> Strawberry. Cran raspberry. Cran apple. Cran blueberry. Things that haven't even happened yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and um, what's so funny about that is that today I bought cranberry lemonade. <laughs> see? Oh my god. That's too much. Oh god. I, I, I hope you feel weird about that purchase. I do feel you really can. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just never had it before and I'm like really weird with beverages if I haven't had it before I want to try it and like I don't really get That's that way fair. with anything else <laughs> um, well you have to let me know how that is um, you know it's okay but it's there's not enough cranberry in it for me to really like it it's okay. like they tried too hard <laughs> you tried yeah yeah and I I think that's probably the way that the fusion will kind of go for me is towards R&B because all of the other music I'm listening to right now is R&B. I'm, I'm listening obsessively to Kalani, uh, Khalid, um, some, some just like 2000s R&B singers. And I love it. I love Jojo. I love the way they play with similar sounding words and in in phrases and not, not mm. in a rhymey way, but you know, they, they'll kind of riff on an idea almost right. in like a spoken word kind of poetic way and just like really fleshing out those background vocals and, and playing with all like the sonic space in the background vocals of having some lines in the back that are actually pretty loud. Like, you know, the backing vocals in R&B is like, that's its own thing. And so mm -hmm. that's another thing I tried to incorporate in this EP, just cause I think it's fun. Cause that's the, the singer geek in me. That's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I want to do that. I want to, you know, make up all these cool lines that if I was listening to this, I would be like, oh, I got to memorize all those little background vocals. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely something that I uh, put in this record. I love Which it. Hopefully, yeah, it will be a little bit something different because country doesn't really do fun background vocals. That's not really their thing. Um, so that that's kind of a new thing. How did you feel about Nelly and Tim McGraw teaming up and making music together? That was recent. I guess I didn't hear it. Is the mm -hmm. short answer. Okay, remember, remember over and over again. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was Tim McGraw and Nelly, but that was a really long time ago. That was like. 2000. I, I don't, maybe, maybe I like missed that. I do, I have to say, um, well, what's the other one? Oh, the Ludacris and Carrie Underwood. I'm sorry, I hate it. I hate that song. <laughs> I think it sounds so dumb. Um, but it's, it's also, it's not a, it's a hundred percent not a country song. Which maybe is if fine. they got, maybe if they got Usher instead, because he feels to me more Wait. like storytelling and like. R&B. Did I get then. it wrong? I oh, know it is ludicrous. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what song I'm talking about? That was like, I think it was like four football or something. It was like, I am the champion. Oh, 
champions. Oh. Like that's just a pop song. That's right. fine. But like, don't put that country label on it. That is a, that is a hundred percent a pop song. Like, you're like, you're like, I'm a country artist. I'm abandoning it. It's over. <laughs> I love I, it. You know, I try to be like I said. I'm I am kind of a country music purist in a way. Yeah. But that's not a bad thing, because it's like I feel like okay, I feel like my music artists they commit to a genre, they know that genre in and out. At least that's the assumption, right? If you mm -hmm. want to, if you want to do well and really succeed in that genre, then you do. You you learn everything you can about it, and or it's part of your life in a very early way. And then it becomes your work. It becomes what you do. It becomes you know your passion. So I think that's only natural to be or to label yourself as a purist. Nothing yeah, wrong. Yeah, and I guess you know, like, and I totally get you know. People should make music, and then other it's other people's job to label what your music is. You know, like you don't you can just make what sounds cool to you. Yeah. And then you know other people say on the radio or say on the charts or whatever this is this and that is that that doesn't have to be your job as an artist yeah. to label yourself. But at the same time, if we're you know if we're putting so many boundaries on what is country and and who should be part of the mainstream country music and and you know what women are country enough and all this stuff it's like well then give me stuff that's really good because the thing is like you're describing not only fans you're describing artists too because it's like yes we all know what we like we all know what sounds like really drive home for us on an individual level so it's like for me i'm super picky if someone sends me crap I will say it's crap. <laughs> and so if someone sends me something really good, I'm like, oh snap, this is amazing. And it's not anything pertaining to that artist in general. It's just like, this just isn't my taste, you know? And everybody, and that's like the beauty of music. It's like, there's something for everybody. I think that you're right. You know, fans do put artists in boxes. And some of it is unfair, you know, because then the artist feels like pressured in some way sometimes mm -hmm. to like, okay, well now I guess I have to commit to like giving people what they want, right? And then, you know, people get in a hissy fit, like, why are you changing things? And it's like, because I want to, because I'm an artist and because that's what I do. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so I think that me as a fan, I'm, I notice my own my own limitations and like my own selfishness where it's like okay i should probably like be okay with this right i shouldn't be like a right i shouldn't i shouldn't be i think all fans have to have or have to start thinking about themselves being responsible for the way that they handle change when it comes to music mm -hmm. and to be able to give artists a space to grow into themselves and to try something new without completely freaking out about it Definitely, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I, that seems really hard, you know, and it's like the, the sophomore album is supposedly, you know, the scariest thing because if you have a really successful first album and, you know, obviously it's the only real project people have from you and that's how you sound to them, but, you know, your second album is also like, you're not that established yet. And, you know, you, you're not on your eighth album or your fifth album where you can just like do different things that people are really comparing you know can you live up to what you did the first time but also be right. different and you know i'm not really in that space quite yet because since i'm still uh, you know on the high of still putting out the first record and you know doing all the promo and getting everything together like you know that 
that is not at my mind yet, but that'll definitely be an interesting thing to navigate as like not the first thing that you put out. I, I put out other singles before this, but I feel like it doesn't, that doesn't compare to like a, a full project. Putting out singles time and time again, great, because it's, it's like a, it's like teaser exposure. And even people who release albums, they still release singles after that too. I like that there isn't a whole like structure based on that. Like, no, you have to release five singles and then you release a whole album, yeah. you know, like, and, and so I think that all fans are chasing greatest hits. Like when is yeah. the, and so everyone wants to be able to be, to like be the critics of what, is allowed to be on your greatest hits help um, um, <clears throat> greatest hits album and what's not allowed to be on your greatest hits album and so they like get yeah. shoes and they pick and choose and they're like no this one's better and like no that one you could just trash it you know like I just I, I don't yeah, know yeah I think everyone is chasing that yeah singles are are a whole interesting topic in itself because you know people People also, yeah, do singles for that continued exposure, but it's mostly because also we're in such a fast paced time in social media. I think the one good thing is I get asked this a lot um, by, you know, anyone who wants to talk about music asks, do you think the album is dead? And I always say no, because it's definitely not. And I, I understand, you know, the feeling by artists and people in the music industry being like, nothing matters but singles anymore. <laughs> and I, I totally get it. But at the same time, you know, people will always be looking for something that's a bigger narrative and a bigger story and a bigger, just a, a bigger, you know, mood and movement and, you know, visual era that, you know, each, each time an artist puts out an album, you know, all of their pictures change and their branding changes and their, you know, it's a whole, you know, all, all encompassing world that you've created and people still love that. And, you know, I, I think the pressure is still there to be putting out music at a faster pace than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, but I just I just wanted to say that because so many people are like, oh my God, I think the album is dead. Like it's not, people <laughs> still love albums. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think when it comes to the fast paced environment and what, what stands out and how to set yourself apart, it's like the dynamic of being the bigger distraction you know and it's like how yeah. do you how do you dominate that world of you know just constant change and constant innovation and like constant distractions alongside what you give in your music totally. and uh you know i don't want to say it's a competition because it's definitely not because for me i guess in my perspective i don't think that music should be like a competitive atmosphere but it is every like every business right. every genre even if you don't want it to be even if you don't want it to be a competition it is um and people tend to compare themselves a lot and i guess it i guess in my mind it's good when it's approached in a healthy way but it also gets in the way you're comparing Definitely. your sound to somebody else's but they're not even they're nowhere near equal they're nowhere near similar and engagement in general like you know i'm a copywriter so i pay attention to things like engagement and marketing and all that stuff it also depends on who's doing that better like there's just so many other yeah. foundations of what you do it's not just i make music it's i'm my own marketer i'm my own oh my god it's business so, owner it's there's so, so many hats 
There's so many hats. It's so many. I can't wait to wear like a couple less hats. Like yeah. I like having control over everything and being able to create so many things and make these decisions for myself. I do, but I'm like, I can't wait until somebody else does this for me. <laughs> they, I spent what at least three hours today making uh, graphic design edits for um, my first uh, merch store mm -hmm. and and you know, like I said, it's cool that I that I get to make the designs and decide what I want. But I'm also like, somebody else could just upload and make these changes. That'd be <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> One day. Yeah, and you know, from my perspective, it's hard to convince people that that's important sometimes. You know, I mean, people know that they have to do it, but like mm -hmm. knowing how or knowing the best ways to do it so that you have to worry less about that stuff tends to kind of like. It, it ends up being kind of like the back of mind thought. And I think that when it comes to music artists and like some of the music coaches that I've talked to are like, they need to take that responsibility and not everybody knows that they have to take that responsibility, you know? It's a different, it's a different world because, you know, you can't really, you don't really get discovered in any way that you used to be, you know, it used to be like, well, just you know, play, try to get a slot at the Bluebird and then, you know, some, some like publishers will be hanging out in the back. Like that right. doesn't exist. Everything right. like that doesn't exist. It yeah. only exists online where you might quote, get discovered either if you go viral, which is an insane lottery, mm -hmm. or if you, you know, grow following and you have, or, you know, a couple famous people kind of, or semi-famous people boost you up and you have enough followers to have enough clout to go to these companies. Mm -hmm. Like th that's kind of the avenue that it seems is, or, you know, you do everything independently, but obviously if you are doing everything independently, you still need to be getting as many followers as possible because now that's all on you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely. There's a field of, what I call a field of dreams mindset where everything is, oh, well, one day this is gonna happen. And it, the reality is you can't wait for one day, you know, it's got to be today. Yeah, time's already moving here, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. It's just like, I love this discussion. I love what we were talking about. And, um, you know, I love that you're doing your own merchandising now. That's huge. And I was talking to a merchandiser recently um, and we were talking about marketing too. And he goes, they just need to not call it marketing because it's such a dirty word. I'm like, well, you can't call a duck a cow and still expect it to say moo. Like it's, <laughs> it's not going Wait, to why work. Would they, why would they not want you to call it marketing? He was just saying like a lot of artists are uncomfortable with the term marketing or how marketing feels like, because then they start to feel like oh. they're not like the fans start to kind of point fingers like, oh, you just want to sell to me. You don't want to do oh, it for the music, you know, stuff like that. And it depends on the scene because he's actually a merchandiser mostly for like the punk rock scene. I think we wanted to do a second episode where we dive deeper into like mindset around marketing and like, why should that be a problem? You know, um, I, I guess my I, I'll volunteer a theory is that for so many people with indie indie crowds, indie audiences doing it that way, you know, so many people in your circles are, I guess for me, so many people in my circles are family, friends, and other musicians, which is like, you know, you haven't really hit your fan base if that's your fan base, you know? Your, right. A fan base is people you don't know who want to buy stuff from you. Exactly. That, to me, that's kind of what I consider like a mass quote fan base is a bunch of people I actually don't know. Um, and I definitely have like a bit of that, but I, you know, if, if you're still in that halfway stage where 
your friends come to your shows and your friends buy your merch, then, you know, I, I think maybe that's where it gets a little like uncomfortable, Learn. but you still have to do it. You know, you still have to be like, you know, this is what I've got. If you want to be a part of it, if you want to support it, this is where to go. Absolutely. And I told them, you know, I think maybe audiences and fans just don't know exactly how to support because they're never told. Like they're told, it's okay, come to my, they're told two things, come to my gig, listen to my thing, and that's it. But they're not told to actually like buy my merch because I'm literally fucking starving over here. It's true. And I, you know, I think people, because that, you know, there's so many artists and I, I, I think of it as the democratization of like mainstream music um, because the labels and the gatekeepers don't matter as much. And there's so many more artists now who can like be artists. There's so many people out there who want to be artists now that kind of can be in a new way that they never could before. You know, like I can get my music on iTunes, whereas like 15 years ago, I definitely could not get my own music on iTunes without some kind of industry backing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's cool because so many more people can enter the field. It's like the democratization of music. But at the same time, you know, that makes things that much more difficult to, you know, be a brand because you're one person. You weren't taught in the beginning to be a brand. You were taught like music <laughs> and how yeah. to play music well, not how to like brand everything well. Right. And, you know, if, if every person, usually this is like someone like 40 and older, but still, if every person who told me I should go on American Idol just bought a CD or like a shirt instead of telling me I should go for American Idol, like I would have, I would have a lot more money. <laughs> I love that metaphor. Like, go ahead. People think that that's like a good way to support you. You know, like, oh wow, you should be on a reality show. Back when that was kind of more of a path, even though it was always a lottery. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, instead of telling me to do that now, why don't you ask what music I have out? Yeah. Or what shows I have coming up? Exactly people get it twisted right they're like if i feed their ego it feeds them too no it doesn't it's not the same thing you know and, yeah. and i think that it's so awesome to be told these things but then again it's like this is a comment it's not supporting me really your engagement is so helpful yeah. because it boosts the engagement because now we have to rely on algorithms. Thank you. But, yep. yeah. <laughs> but you. feed true. me literally. <laughs> I'm happy. I love how you tied that together. So like in a way where people can understand it, it's like, if, if everybody did actually support me who had said these things, you would be somewhere else you would have that yeah that capability um you'd be hiring two other people to take care of these things that you don't want to take care of anymore yeah. <laughs> and it, it is it's a new thing for people to learn as music lovers so i think right. people are starting to learn that but it's yeah it's a new it's a whole new landscape and you know i think you know people are hopefully getting that i i will plug my patreon it's um tegan stewart music on patreon so it's five dollars to be part of the team five dollar holla yes let's do it exactly <laughs>
No, this was such like an important conversation. And I do agree, you know, I think that fans are starting to realize, oh, music needs help right now, especially because of COVID and this pandemic. And like, we're all sitting inside. We're all like finding ways to innovate ourselves and to change and to like kind of morph into like this all in one type of deal where it's like, no, you don't have to commit to a tour now you can just do it from your living room or your studio or whatever it is and it's like but this isn't really what i want to do you have to understand that this is something i have to do because of the situation this isn't going to be forever so i think that now like fans are starting to realize like oh shit, they need help and and yeah. i think that that's huge and i think that it's needed um and then at the same time it's like when it comes back to normal people are gonna have to adjust and hopefully that doesn't change hopefully they continue to be consistent with their support as far as like if there are fans out there who are going out actively buying merch actively buying music hopefully that doesn't change like oh things are actually normal you're cool now right okay great i can keep right my money. yeah i don't know and i'll be comfortable to play shows indoors <laughs> i've played some outdoors yeah. and done a lot of live streams mm. which is great but yeah i don't i don't know when i'll be comfortable i know some people are kind of getting back into it but yeah honestly it's still very much a question mark of you know i have no idea when that will be part of right. the landscape again so it's like until then you know i'm actually planning uh, hopefully it, it goes to plan by the time people hear this right. but i'm planning to do uh, a live stream um for my ep release with a band so it'll just be me and the band and i usually do it on facebook but facebook's been not not reliable and in, in keeping up the live stream and all this other stuff so i'm thinking like i guess i'll do it on youtube like i don't know so twitch is actually going to pivot towards music so okay that somebody recommended that to me and then i looked up the website like i know what it is but i I went to kind of make a profile and then I was like, oh, I feel weird. This doesn't look like anyone will follow it. So you're saying I should. Yes. Okay. So like they are specifically mostly geared towards gamers. However, there are people who draw on Twitch. There are people who do tarot readings on Twitch. There are people who do wow. whatever they want on Twitch, whether it's just like talking or whatever do Twitch because they are starting I to do it. They're starting to convert into being um, the music a live, a live okay. stream platform for you convinced artists. me. Yes. So get on the ball before anyone else does. That's what I'm trying to say because it's starting like they have already started hiring for these positions for music production for Twitch because I actually was looking up jobs <laughs> and i saw that twitch was hiring over in california no. like row, that's cool so definitely get on the ball before anybody else does that's what oh, you're I mean. right i will yeah. i will that's I, be I believe it i mean your videographer is amazing so like there's no reason why this wouldn't be like an awesome thing for you to do so <laughs> true can't yeah. can't afford that videographer for that many videos right 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 <laughs> No, no, no. You want to keep it authentic. You got to just grab exactly. yourself. Once enough people get on my Patreon, then I will. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And like Twitch, okay, so like 
there's different ways to make Twitch work for you too, where it's like people have different layouts and stuff and they use all these other like, it's gonna be a whole other hat that you have to wear. But at the same time, it doesn't really have to be that stressful. So like, I know a thing or two about Twitch. So maybe we'll talk about it in some like DMs or yeah, something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Tegan, I don't want to keep you forever, but I definitely could. So I, <laughs> I think I think now we'll close it, but we should definitely get on to another session after yeah. your release so we can cover some of those bases on like what's happening with you. Um, but before we close out, tell people where they can find you, how they can support you and, you know, all the good stuff, what you're working yeah, on. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Tegan Stewart. All of my social media is Tegan Stewart Music or just Tegan Stewart. Um, it's T-E-A-G-A-N Stewart, E-W, not U-A. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I will be starting that Twitch. Yes. Um, I'm also on Patreon, Tegan Stewart Official, where I post um, early access videos, uh, blog posts, um, audio clips from recordings, uh, either the demos or things that are unreleased. Um, so that's a, a really cool way to, to get in the know. And then um, I will have my uh, Teespring, which is the merch store. That'll be linked to the website. So just go to Tegan Stewart Official. And that will be, you know, your hub for everything. And yeah, just listening, following, engaging but also buying uh the merch i will have hard copies of my debut ep called taste of my heartbreak um out october 23rd i will have hard copies of that uh based on interest i might end up doing vinyl so uh if you guys hear this um please definitely try to connect with me um and let me know what you think awesome i know i will all right well thank you so much again for for coming and until next time all right, have a good night. You too.